Today's sermon is entitled, Waiting, Waiting, Waiting. And I, I want you to do something for me. We're going to be a little interactive for a moment. I want you to just close your eyes and anticipate a future that is better than the present. So just go ahead, just, just close your eyes with me for a few moments. Anticipate a future that is better than the present and let that picture solidify in your minds for just a few seconds. Okay, you can open your eyes. What did that feel like? What did that feel like? Maybe you felt happiness, Maybe you felt giddiness. Maybe there was a a, a level of unsureness there. But most of us know the word that is used to describe that sort of experience. It's called hope. Hope, right? Anticipating a future that is better than the present. Hope is an extremely important Bible concept. You're going to find it all throughout the Bible. In fact, there are numerous words for hope in the ancient languages of Hebrew and Koine Greek. And all these words are absolutely fascinating when you do a word study. In the Old Testament, there are two Hebrew words that are translated as hope. And then in the New Testament, from the Koine Greek, there is one word that we're going to focus on today. But first, let's talk about those Hebrew words. You, you see them on the screen, those, those two at the top that maybe look uh, completely foreign and alien uh, to your eyes. And if you're trying to read them from left to right, um, you're going to be even more confused because you actually have to read Hebrew from right to left. And that was quite a wake-up call for me um, when I first took Hebrew. Um, but the, the first word up there... It's the word yachal, yachal. You kinda, you've you've got to act like you're clearing your throat when you say it. So I'm going to ask you all on the count of three to say this Hebrew word with me, yachal. So one, two, three, yachal. All right. This word, yachal, uh, it simply means to wait for, to wait for. But it's used 42 times in the Old Testament, so it's not a, a, a rare word. It's used like in the story of Noah and the ark, Genesis 8, 12. So he waited, yachal, yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. So as the, the flood wa- waters receded, Noah had to yachal for weeks inside that ark. And then the other term used in the Old Testament is kavah, a little bit easier to say, kavah. So I'm going to ask you once again on the count of three, say this word with me. One, two, three, kavah. Now you can go home and you can brag to all your friends that you know some ancient Hebrew now. Kavah. And uh, it also means to wait. But there's a bit of nuance there. Um, It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which translates to cord. Cord. And so when you pull a kav or a cord tight, you produce a state of tension until there's a release, right? Either you release it or the cord breaks, but either way, there's tension before the release. And so that is the the true meaning of the word kavah. 
The feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. And so the prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants a vine and kavaz for good grapes. Isaiah 5, 2. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected kava it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And then there's the prophet Micah, who talks about farmers who both kava and yachal for the morning dew to soak the land, to seep into the soil. Micah 5, 7, Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass that tarry, kava, for no man nor wait, yachal, for the sons of men. So what we see from the context of these verses and their uses of both of these two words in the biblical Hebrew is that hope is about waiting or tense expectation. Hope is about waiting or tense expectation. Waiting, yes, but waiting for what? Waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the entire nation was sinking into self-destruction and idolatrous behavior, Isaiah said this, Isaiah 8, 17, and I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope, kava, in him. You see, the only hope that Isaiah had in the dark and worrisome days that he was living in was the hope for God himself. So it's not asking what are they waiting for, it's more of who are they waiting for. You'll find the same notion of hope, for instance, over 40 times, 40 times in the book of Psalms, just in the book of Psalms alone. And in almost every case, what people are waiting for is God, God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from the pit of despair and He says, I wait, kavah, for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. Yachal. The psalmist goes on to say that the Lord is loyal and will redeem Israel from all their sins. You see, biblical hope is based on a person. It's based on a person, which makes it wholly different from the concept known as optimism. Optimism. We're not talking about optimism here. Optimism is about choosing to see in any situation how circumstances could work out for the better. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, some of the most hopeful people in the Bible recognize the exact opposite. They claim hope even when there is no evidence that things will get better. That's where faith comes in. Seeing no evidence for a better future, but choosing to hope, yachal, kavah, anyways. 
Take the prophet Hosea, for example. He lived during one of the worst times in Israel's history. It was a time of loss, a time when the Israelites were oppressed, captured, enslaved by foreign empires. Yet Hosea chose hope when he said the following, Hosea 2.15, I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. Now, that name, the Valley of Achor, it literally translates to the Valley of Trouble. The Valley of Trouble. There's a symbolic meaning behind Hosea's words here. Even when it seemed like there was no light at the end of the tunnel, Hosea chose to believe that God could turn even a Valley of Trouble into a door of hope. Hosea saw a red light. That's what he saw. That was what the evidence was telling him. But he chose to hope instead that it would soon turn into a green light. It reminds me of the story from the book of Exodus. When Israel came up out of the land of Egypt, the people had no evidence up to that point that they would be set free Yet God surprised them with redemption. When it seemed like all hope was lost, Moses and Aaron came onto the scene and that country was never the same again. And so the the thought behind it is that if God could do that then, then God can do that again at another time. And that is the key in this whole discussion and this whole mindset. God's past faithfulness motivates hope for the future. God's past faithfulness motivates hope for the future. That's the power of a prayer journal, right? Because we, we have answers to prayers. We, we see them, we experience them, we're happy in the moment, but oftentimes we forget about them. But having it written down, you can remember how God led in the past, how God worked in the past, and that will give you hope that he will continue to do it even in this moment where it seems like there is no hope. We look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's very character. I believe Ellen White nailed this concept down quite succinctly when she wrote, We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. If you don't know about the past, you're doomed to repeat it, right? But it goes both ways. If you're open, if your eyes are open, your ears are open, your mind is open to what God did in the past in good ways, then we can trust that God has chosen us, has ordained us, is working for us. He's on our side. His timing might be a little bit different than what we might like or choose. But he's had our best interest at heart in the past, and he's going to stay on that same track in the future. It's like the psalmist in Psalms 39.7. And now, Lord... What do I wait, kavah, for? My hope, my yachal, is in you. 
Now, this isn't just an Old Testament concept either. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Christ cultivated a similar mindset concerning hope. For them, as, as Rick mentioned and, and as you were speaking and singing, for them, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was God's surprising response to humanity's slavery to sin and to death. That was God's answer. That's what their hope was built upon. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope. Now, here's that Greek word, elpis, elpis. And, you know, when I was in college, I majored in theology, but I minored in biblical languages. And that's why I like to share this language stuff with you, because I'm sort of a language nerd. And I want to bring you all on the journey with me. But one thing that I did when I was trying to memorize vocab, and sometimes it was a lot of words in a very short amount of time, especially that third semester of Greek in the summer, Lord have mercy. <laughs> but when I was trying to, re- to, to remember these words that seem so foreign, that seem so strange, what I would do is I would try to find an English word or an English term that sounded similar to it. And that would be the trigger in my mind of what this word was and what it meant. And what's interesting, and I, I haven't forgotten this to this day, but this word, elpis, what I wrote down to remind myself is, I was like, oh, this sounds like help us, help us. And now that I have a deeper understanding of this word and its meaning, what more is hope crying out to God other than us saying, help us, Lord, Elpis. This is the word to describe this sort of anticipation, this hope that we're talking about here. The Apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up living hope. Living hope. A living hope so that people can be born again into new and different people. A new creation. A new creature. Wow. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. There's that word, elpis, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. More than once, the Apostle Paul, he says that the good news about Jesus announces the elpis of glory. Like in Colossians 1 27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope, elpis, of glory. And in both of these New Testament cases, the elpis is based once again on a person, the risen Christ who has overcome death. And the beautiful thing is that this hope isn't just for humans. The apostles believed that what happened to Jesus at the resurrection was a foretaste of what God had in store for the entire universe, all of creation. You know, when we look around in this world, things can seem pretty hopeless, right? I mean... 
some of us, we can't even stand to turn on the news anymore, let alone listen to it or read it. Sometimes it feels as if things are getting progressively worse instead of showing evidence of better days. Yet hope tells us that freedom is coming for all of creation. And Paul puts it this way in Romans 8.21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So, dear friends, Christian hope is bold. It's bold. It's waiting for humanity and the entire universe to be saved from sin and death. Some might say, that's crazy talk. Maybe it is. But biblical hope is an optimism based on the odds. Hope is a choice to wait for God to bring a future that is as surprising, as crazy as a crucified man arising from the dead. That's what Christian hope is about. It's forgiveness from sins. It's freedom from bondage. It's liberty in Christ. The concept of Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward to the fulfilled promises of a new heavens and a new earth. And so, we wait. We wait. Now, I realize that living out this type of hope, it's hard sometimes. It's not always easy. It's difficult to focus on future possibilities when the, the current realities are so ugly and dark and abusive and hurtful. And that's why we would like to pray for you. Whatever your burdens, whatever your hurts, whatever your fears are, we would like to pray for you. I'd like to invite Chongo forward. He's our elder in charge for today. And he's just going to wait down here at the bottom of the steps. I'm going to have a closing prayer, but after my closing prayer, I'm going to be waiting down at the bottom of those steps over by the speaker. And we want to lift you up in prayer. We want to lift you up in prayer. If there's anybody here that needs prayer, if there's anybody here that is struggling to hold on to hope, this biblical concept of hope. After I have the closing prayer, we just want to invite you forward. Let us know what's on your heart. If you want to keep it private and you just want a general prayer, that is fine as well. But we want you to know that your church leaders, that your elders are here for you, to pray for you, to serve you. Our prayers aren't magical. There's no extra power in our prayers as opposed to yours, but sometimes it's nice to bear one another's burdens, as Paul says. So let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for Jesus because it's in Jesus that we have hope. Whether we want to term it kava or yachal or elpis or just say hope in the English language, Lord, it's based not on circumstances. We're not talking about optimism. We're talking about hope. We're talking about faith. We're talking about trust based in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. 
Lord, bathe us in your glory. Lord, fill us with your spirit. And when life gets in the way, when problems start to pop up, may we be willing to turn our focus and rest our eyes upon Jesus. Lord, give us that sort of experience. Help us to not just know about this type of hope, but to truly live it. Lord, we give ourselves to you, and we ask that as we leave this place this afternoon, that you would leave here with us, that we would be changed from the inside out, and that we'd be able to share your love and your grace with people outside these walls. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.